welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today we want to talk a little bit about when to unite and when to divide. This came with an excellent discussion with the uh, chaplain pastor that we had when I was at camp a couple weeks ago. And uh, as we started discussing and talking about some of these things, you know, he, he says it's important for us to come together on the important points. And, and I agree with him. Um, the question we have is what are the important points? What do we come together over? And what do we stop and say, eh, a little bit of heresy? Because as he's describing wanting to get together with churches and people and groups who, how, who are sound in the precepts of Christianity, how does this differ from in-state college where they have the city church where they seem to unite under the least common denominator? And when you have the least common denominator and you just want unity for the sake of unity without any examination of the scripture, the problem that we have is that you have the assembly churches believe in, in various tongues and miracles and you have the, um, you know, the Presbyterian churches will say, eh, none of that's uh, valid stuff. And then you'll have the Baptists who are going to be split somewhere in the middle, a little bit of the middle. You have... Uh, a large swath of Methodists and even a large swath of Presbyterians who say, hey, gay's okay. And we have all sorts of weird things. And the question is, are you building your unity around this solid understanding of the Word of God, or are you building it under the generic name of Jesus loves the world, therefore we'll, we'll tolerate everybody's sin? And this becomes a difficult challenge because now we have to ask this ourselves this very simple question, what is sound biblical theology? As I would openly say, the exercising and practice of things that are being taught in schools today, these types of things are sinful. By a long-lasting interpretation of Scripture carried forth by many traditional denominations. But there's a lot of people that come on down the pipeline now and go, well, if these verses really mean this, then you can kind of see that that's not really sin. It's because the matter is, is, do you love the person or not? Hmm. That is an interesting take. It requires a new translation or, or at least a new interpretation of an old translation in order to pull that off. But oftentimes under the banner of unity, that type of thing happens where we want to come together. And I've heard this said many times looking at the city church items in our town and what you see in the city church items, they say, well, we need to come together as unity because if we as churches can't be unified, then it shows that we don't have a real Jesus. Okay, fine. Let's unify under the scripture. Stop flying the LGBT flags. If you want to be a secular person in the world and LGBT, you go ahead. It is not my position to judge the world. That's exactly what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Our task is not to judge the world. Our task is to love the world. Our task is, however, to judge the church. And we judge the church on a sound interpretation of the scriptures. If you want to come into the church and declare what you are, that's okay, as long as it doesn't conflict with what the scripture clearly teaches. And when we try to unify under 
points of theology that are contrary to a long-running traditional interpretation of the scriptures, now we are going to run ourselves into conflict with each other. And so what this uh, pastor was talking about, he was talking about coming together under real long-lasting sound interpretations. He didn't care if you believe in, in sprinkling and uh, sprinkling or, or dunking into a baptismal pit as much. He doesn't care about your end times eschatology quite as much, but he does care if you are adhering to critical race theory, because critical race theory is a theory of division, and it is based upon Marxism, which is not in any way, shape, or form consistent with Christian teaching. And so what we have is we have in the city church we have in State College, the city church wants to come together and say, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to set aside all these things and just come together and, and just, say, j just say some things we can all agree on. Now, the last service from this conglomeration of what I like to call the Dirty Dozen, it was 13 churches last I knew, maybe there's more, when the Dirty Dozen comes around, they didn't open a Bible. They didn't preach a message. What they did is they went through the book that I'm going to say is pretty stinking close to heresy called The Art of Neighboring. Why is it pretty close to heresy? Because the authors of that book used the Word of God and wielded it with the grace that a five-year-old handles a loaded gun. In other words, they have no idea how to use it, and it's dangerous in their hands. It is not consistent with Christianity. While I can get behind the methodology, like, like, not the, the methodology, definitely not, but, but the, the core concept of what they're trying to teach, I can get behind that. But the problem is, is that all of these churches decide they're all going to preach through this book, and then they're going to get together for this joint, unified service with all of these churches, and the whole thing, nobody ever opened up a Bible. It was all testimonies about how well your backyard barbecue went. If you read that book, he describes in there things that Christians have no business going to, like his neighbor that opened up his garage into a giant drunken bar and they made so much noise the police showed up. Uh, that ain't Christian, yo. And um, so, of course, I wrote the parody on that book, and uh, everyone hated it because I was correcting theology that people heard from their pastors on the pulpit, and I've yet to, to find too many people who have actually read that book, um, which is an interesting take. But the fact of the matter is if you do not unify around sound interpretations, classical, we'll use the word classical interpretation of the scriptures. In other words, from the time that the apostles walked the earth until 18, 1900s, if that 2,000 years approximately agrees on a translation of the scripture, like agrees what a particular scripture means regardless of the translation, then you can unify behind that. But if somebody's come up with a brand new way of reimagining and reinterpreting what Jesus said based on some weird emotion that they have in their heart that they got after bad pizza last night, I can't unify and get behind that. So what my friend was saying is we need to get together under the core points, we need to recognize the dangers of critical race theory. We need to recognize the dangers of, I'll use the word leftist indoctrination as a overarching broad view. We have to use these types of, of uh, um, uh, these types of, uh, of 
ideas because they're dangerous. They're teaching you that if you happen to have certain color of skin, you're intrinsically bad. Well, that's called racism. I don't subscribe to that. But many, many, many churches are holding on to that and latching on to that. Okay, many churches are doing that. We cannot unify on those grounds. But if we're coming together and unifying around points to say, okay, we need to believe that Jesus is Christ. We need to believe that he is the son of God. We need to believe that the scripture calls us to obedience and we need to have an overarching idea of what obedience means. In other words, we have to abstain from immorality. That's sexual immorality, religious immorality. We have to refrain from living our lives with the sins of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, as Paul writes in Galatians, and there's drunkenness and sensuality. Basically, it boils down to being a drunken fool. You leave those things behind. Of course, there's fornication, there's sex out of control, all these types of things. We cannot unify around these individual items. As long as your theology is sound, where you are encouraging people into the scriptures, encouraging themselves to, to transform their life around it, and you're not reimagining interpretations that have been agreed upon in all of Christendom across denominations for years, we can and should unify around that. Now, he doesn't like the model church that my church uses in that they're independent and there's no... There's no large group, and I can understand and appreciate that. Something that a, a large church that is biblically sound with a lot of resources, they can do a lot more powerful things than a small congregation with as few people as we have. I understand that, but nevertheless, God calls us to be faithful first and foremost to the scriptures, to reach the world in love regardless of their background, and to seek to be at peace with all people as much as it depends on us. So with that, there are some basic ideas about when to unite and when to divide. Let me know your thoughts on these items in the comments down below. Thank you for watching. Have a look over at the website at ourwalkinchrist.com. I will have some books, podcasts, and other resources over there. Thanks for watching, and I hope that you enjoy your daily walk in our Lord. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.